Chapter Two of War Is a Racket by Smedley Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. War Is a Racket, Chapter Two. Who makes the profits? The World War, rather our brief participation in it, has cost the United States some fifty-two billion dollars. Figure it out. That means four hundred dollars to every American man, woman, and child, and we haven't paid the debt yet. We are paying it, our children will pay it, and our children's children probably still will be paying the cost of that war. The normal profits of a business concern in the United States are six, eight, ten, and sometimes twelve per cent. But wartime profits ah that is another matter twenty sixty one hundred three hundred and even eighteen hundred per cent the sky is the limit all that traffic will bear uncle sam has the money let's get it of course it isn't put that crudely in wartime it is dressed into speeches about patriotism love of country and we must all put our shoulders to the wheel but the profits jump and leap and skyrocket and are all safely pocketed let's just take a few examples take our friends the duponts the powder people didn't one of them testify before the senate committee recently that their powder won the war or saved the world for democracy or something how did they do in the war they were a patriotic corporation well the average earnings of the duponts for the period nineteen ten to nineteen fourteen were six million dollars a year it wasn't much but the duponts managed to get along on it now let's look at their average yearly profit during the war years nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen fifty eight million dollars a year profit we find nearly ten times that of normal times and the profits of normal times were pretty good an increase in profits of more than nine hundred and fifty per cent take one of our little steel companies that patriotically shunted aside the making of rails and girders and bridges to manufacture war materials well their nineteen ten to nineteen fourteen yearly earnings averaged six million dollars then came the war and like loyal citizens bethlehem steel promptly turned to munitions making did their profits jump or did they let uncle sam in for a bargain well their nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen average was forty nine million dollars a year or let's take united states steel the normal earnings during the five-year period prior to the war were one hundred and five million dollars a year not bad then along came the war and up went the profits the average yearly profit for the period nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen was 
$240,000,000. Not bad. There you have some of the steel and powder earnings. Let's look at something else. A little copper, perhaps. That always does well in war times. Anaconda, for instance. Average yearly earnings during the pre-war years, 1910 to 1914, of ten million dollars during the war years nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen profits leapt to thirty four million dollars per year or utah copper average of five million dollars per year during the nineteen ten to nineteen fourteen period jumped to an average of twenty one million dollars yearly profits for the war period let's group these five with three smaller companies the total yearly average profits of the pre-war period nineteen ten to nineteen fourteen were a hundred and thirty seven thousand four hundred and eighty dollars then along came the war the average yearly profits for this group skyrocketed to four hundred and eight million three hundred thousand dollars a little increase in profits of approximately two hundred per cent does war pay it paid them but they aren't the only ones there are still others let's take leather for the three-year period before the war the total profits of central leather company were three million five hundred thousand dollars that was approximately one million one hundred and sixty seven thousand dollars a year well in nineteen sixteen central leather returned a profit of fifteen million dollars a small increase of one thousand one hundred per cent that's all the general chemical company averaged a profit for the three years before the war of a little over eight hundred thousand dollars a year came the war and the profits jumped to twelve million dollars a leap of one thousand four hundred per cent international nickel company and you can't have a war without nickel showed an increase in profits from a mere average of four million dollars a year to seventy three million dollars yearly not bad an increase of more than one thousand seven hundred per cent american sugar refining company averaged two million dollars a year for the three years before the war in nineteen sixteen a profit of six million dollars was recorded listen to senate document number two hundred and fifty nine the sixty-fifth congress reporting on corporate earnings and government revenues considering the profits of a hundred and twenty-two meat packers one hundred and fifty-three cotton manufacturers two hundred and ninety-nine garment makers forty-nine steel plants and three hundred and forty coal producers during the war profits under twenty-five per cent were exceptional for instance the coal companies made between one hundred per cent and seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-six per cent on their capital stock during the war the chicago packers doubled and tripled their earnings and let us not forget the bankers who financed the great war 
if any one had the cream of the profits it was the bankers being partnerships rather than incorporated organizations they do not have to report to stockholders and their profits were as secret as they were immense how the bankers made their millions and their billions i do not know because those little secrets never become public even before a senate investigatory body but here's how some of the other patriotic industrialists and speculators chiseled their way into war profits take the shoe people they like war it brings business with abnormal profits they made huge profits on sales abroad to our allies perhaps like the munitions manufacturers and armament makers they also sold to the enemy for a dollar is a dollar whether it comes from germany or from france but they did well by uncle sam too for instance they sold uncle sam thirty-five million pairs of hobnailed service shoes there were four million soldiers eight pairs and more to a soldier my regiment during the war had only one pair to a soldier some of these shoes probably are still in existence they were good shoes but when the war was over uncle sam has a matter of twenty-five million pairs left over bought and paid for profits recorded and pocketed there was still lots of leather left so the leather people sold your uncle sam hundreds of thousands of mcclellan saddles for the cavalry but there wasn't any american cavalry overseas somebody had to get rid of this leather however somebody had to make a profit in it so we had a lot of mcclellan saddles and we probably have those yet also somebody had a lot of mosquito netting they sold your uncle sam twenty million mosquito nets for the use of the soldiers overseas i suppose the boys were expected to put it over them as they tried to sleep in muddy trenches one hand scratching cooties on their backs and the other making passes at scurrying rats well not one of these mosquito nets ever got to france anyhow these thoughtful manufacturers wanted to make sure that no soldier would be without his mosquito net so forty million additional yards of mosquito netting were sold to uncle sam there were pretty good profits in mosquito netting in those days even if there were no mosquitoes in france i suppose if the war had lasted just a little longer the enterprising mosquito netting manufacturers would have sold your uncle sam a couple of consignments of mosquitoes to plant in france so that more mosquito netting would be in order airplane and engine manufacturers felt they too should get their just profits out of this war why not everybody else was getting theirs so one billion dollars count them if you lived long enough was spent by uncle sam in building airplane engines 
that never left the ground not one plane or motor out of the billion dollars worth ordered ever got into a battle in france just the same the manufacturers made their little profit of thirty one hundred or perhaps three hundred per cent undershirts for soldiers cost fourteen cents to make and uncle sam paid thirty cents to forty cents each for them a nice little profit for the undershirt manufacturer and the stocking manufacturer and the uniform manufacturers and the cap manufacturers and the steel helmet manufacturers all got theirs why when the war was over some four million sets of equipment knapsacks and the things that go to fill them crammed warehouses on this side now they are being scrapped because the regulations have changed the contents but the manufacturers collected their wartime profits on them and they will do it all over again the next time there were lots of brilliant ideas for profit-making during the war one very versatile patriot sold uncle sam twelve dozen forty-eight-inch wrenches oh they were very nice wrenches the only trouble was that there was only one nut ever made that was large enough for these wrenches that is the one that holds the turbines at niagara falls well after uncle sam had bought them and the manufacturer had pocketed the profit the wrenches were put on freight cars and shunted all around the united states in an effort to find a use for them when the armistice was signed it was indeed a sad blow to the wrench manufacturer he was just about to make some nuts to fit the wrenches then he planned to sell these too to your uncle sam still another had the brilliant idea that colonels shouldn't ride in automobiles nor should they even ride on horseback one has probably seen a picture of andy jackson riding in a buckboard well some six thousand buckboards were sold to uncle sam for the use of colonels not one of them was used but the buckboard manufacturer got his war profit the shipbuilders felt they should come in on some of it too they built a lot of ships that made a lot of profit more than three billion dollars worth some of the ships were all right but six hundred and thirty five million dollars worth of them were made of wood and wouldn't float the seams opened up and they sank we paid for them though and somebody pocketed the profits it has been estimated by statisticians and economists and researchers that the war cost your uncle sam fifty two billion dollars of this sum thirty nine billion dollars was expended in the actual war itself this expenditure yielded sixteen billion dollars in profits that is how the twenty-one thousand billionaires and millionaires got that way 
this sixteen billion dollars profits is not to be sneezed at it is quite a tidy sum and it went to a very few the senate nye committee probe of the munitions industry and its wartime profits despite its sensational disclosures hardly has scratched the surface even so it has had some effect the state department has been studying for some time methods of keeping out of war the war department suddenly decides it has a wonderful plan to spring the administration names a committee with the war and navy departments ably represented under the chairmanship of a wall street speculator to limit profits in wartime to what extent isn't suggested hmm possibly the profits of three hundred and six hundred and sixteen hundred per cent of those who turned blood into gold in the world war would be limited to some smaller figure apparently however the plan does not call for any limitation of losses that is the losses of those who fight the war as far as i have been able to ascertain there is nothing in the scheme to limit a soldier to the loss of but one eye or one arm or to limit his wounds to one or two or three or to limit the loss of life there is nothing in this scheme apparently that says not more than twelve per cent of a regiment shall be wounded in battle or that not more than seven per cent in a division shall be killed of course the committee cannot be bothered with such trifling matters end of chapter two who makes the profits read by john greenman